Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Hamm. Welcome to the CSN King's Insider Podcast, brought to you by Max Muscle. I am James Hamm. Joining me, as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's happening? What's up, Brother Ham? <sighs> Just road weary from the ho- home strand, the home stand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. If, if that I makes sense, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, when there's a long, long home stand, uh, that means that you're there every day. Especially, you know, if you look at where the the cousins trade happened on Sunday, uh, Vlade on Monday, practice with the vets on Tuesday, where they were talking about being in shock. Wednesday was when the new players came. Uh, and then Thursday was their first game, and then and then it was just a whirlwind, a whirlwind, you know. So basically, Thursday, what was it? Thursday, Sunday, no, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, uh, yeah, just like nonstop. We haven't we haven't slowed down, people. Um, you say we've been doing this for what three, four years now, and has it ever stopped? You know what? It hasn't. And and I also point out, like we are usually in the past so vigilant about when the podcast happens it's just trying to fit in the podcast lately has been extremely difficult so i apologize to all of you out there who love the podcast and sit there and beat me down on twitter saying where is the podcast it's just really difficult and the other thing is it's really difficult to find guests right now because everyone is in the same exact boat that that we are where they're exhausted and they're like you know I'm not in. So uh, this week I'm supposed to get a player, which I, I'm really, really excited about getting this specific player. Um, I'm not going to make promises, but we should have a like a back-to-back podcast. So like uh, there should be one this weekend. Of course, I'm I'm subject to player flaking, and so I'm not going to throw out a name. But it's a I think a really cool player to explain some of the stuff that's going on. Anyway, we do have a ton of stuff to get to, so we're going to roll right into it, right, Aaron? Um, first, I think I, I want to clarify, there's some issues with, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and, uh, his potential to join the Sacramento Kings this summer. He put out a statement yesterday, uh, which was, let's see, today's Friday, which was Thursday, uh, stating, you know, Hey, look, uh, I, I'm focused on, I don't even know how to say it, the Fenderbox, uh, his Turkish team right now who uh is you know in a playoff run or whatever he's focused on them and he's not going to talk about what's happening potentially this summer look he signed a four-year deal three years ago and he has a uh, i guess the the 2016-17 um year was a player option which he decided to to go into and really really angered the phoenix suns which is why he was available to to be traded to the kings anyways and then this next season, he also has a an, an opt-in, opt-out, but the buyout is a little over a million dollars. 
And so nothing is new, people. When you see this saying, oh, Bogdanovich opted in to his 2017-18 deal, that's not the case at all. He already had a contract for that year, and it has a buyout. And the Kings, the buyout's supposed to be a little over a million. The Kings can give up to 675000 of that. But then on top of that, they can add whatever it is they, the buyout is to his contract. So he's already a very strange contractual player he because he he didn't come to the the nba in his first three years he actually once the nba draft happens into the the 2017 nba draft happens he no longer has to fall under the the rookie the rookie scale and so the kinks can pay him anything they want up to 12 million dollars a year for a player who's zero through six years of service in the nba um so if he wants to come over, he's coming over. And I'm going to assume that the Kings have worked long and hard to already get him over, especially since Vlade Divac, Serbian. He is Serbian. They have a lot of ties together. They know each other. Um, so let's just kind of back burner that for the summer and assume that there is a very good chance that Bogdanovich will be in a Kings jersey this summer. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you've watched him. I love watching him. I think he's an exciting prospect. I think he's got a lot of game and a lot of different game than what the Kings shooting guards slash small forwards have right now. Yeah, I think he's a player. He reminds me of CJ McCollum with the way that he plays and, um, you know, defensively he's going to have his issues. That's, that's no secret. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a shot at, you know, I would say I feel pretty good about predicting him to be at a minimum, a, you know, a seventh or eighth man at the NBA level. And, and, and let's, let's not poo poo that. That's actually a really good basketball player. And if he could do anything beyond that, that would be icing on the cake. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just jump right into that then. Because if you look at him as a seven or eight man, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I think he can be a starter. Um, I also think he can come off the bat. I, I think that there's some potential here for a lot of different things. I don't think he's going to be a horrible basketball player that goes back to Europe two years from now. I just don't see that. But the Kings have an interesting dilemma here. Um, just right away we know the demarcus cousins trade happened and then they didn't make another move at the trade deadline so i get let's start there are you surprised that the kings didn't sell the farm uh last thursday and, and dump you know darren collison aaron aflalo i i guess with aflalo they had to get someone to take on his contract at whatever but um or even a ben mclemore are you surprised you didn't see them make more moves a little surprised that Ben McLemore didn't get moved, but the the trade deadline fizzled after the fourth or fifth deal with the Nerlens Noel trade. Teams got invested in the Jimmy Butler and Paul George chase. Um, there wasn't a lot of market for, uh, say, veterans of the, that the Kings have, and so I don't think if they got offers that they were even really actionable offers. So I'm not, you know, you could get mad at the Kings if you're tanking or if you're going young or whatever you want to call what they're doing right now, that they didn't get rid of these guys. I, I think it's better to keep them around. If, if you're not getting anything of value in return, you got to have veterans to play with these young guys so they don't just completely lose 20, 25 games of development. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm also going to point out this too. There, there's some sneaky things that the Kings did last offseason that actually makes it kind of smart that they didn't just buy out certain players. So so we didn't see uh, Aaron Aflalo just get bought out so he could go you know, try to hook up with a playoff team. I know there are teams out there that were interested in him, in him including the Indiana Pacers. Um, but look, 
the key to Aaron Aflalo and even Anthony Tolliver, we can we can discuss Anthony Tolliver in this same exact conversation. I think Anthony Tolliver is a is staying in Sacramento. I think the Kings really really appreciate what he brings to the table, not only as a player but as a locker room presence. They now have a really really young team, and they need to integrate everybody into this system. And really, they need guys who are fatherly and can help guys, you know, develop into men and, and sort of build who they are and, you know, help them become NBA players. So I think Anthony Tolliver stays. Um, but both he and Aaron Aflalo have this weird thing where they sign two-year deals, but the second year is a, is a team option for a small buyout. And so Tolliver is an $8 million contract for the 2017-18 season where the Kings have so much cap space, it's ridiculous. But the Kings can buy him out for two million bucks and just send him packing. A Flalo, they can buy out for a million and a half instead of paying him twelve and a half million dollars. And I got to be honest with you, I don't see any way that Aaron Flalo is on this team next year. But because his contract is 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 built the way that it is, and because the draft is in late June, and the uh, the new NBA season starts July first. You actually have this really small window where you can trade Aaron Aflalo as a $12.5 million player for another $12.5 million player, and then the team that he gets traded to can just waive him and just pay the $1.5 million for the next season. So he actually becomes an interesting trade piece for for the Kings um, right around the draft. And so if you need to move up in the draft or if you need to move back in the draft or if you need to be part of a three-man team during the draft process, you have a a player that has one value for about five or six days, and then his value completely changes to another team. So again, we've talked about like Brandon Knight in the past. If you know Phoenix wants to start over and just dump Brandon Knight, the Kings could conceivably trade Aaron Aflalo straight up for Brandon Knight, take on his contract for the next two years at roughly $30 million, and Phoenix could turn around and just dump a Flalo for a million and a half a couple of days later. And so he has a, a little bit of value there. So Aaron, does this mean anything? Do you see the Kings being active in ways like this? Or is this just like a, they probably should have just bought Aaron Flalo out and sent him back in? Yeah, no, I, I think this is the impact of Ken Catanella, you know, on this organization and, you know, kind of, I think you guys will see his profile continue to rise. Um, he, he's going to do stuff like this that makes a lot of sense. It's a salary cap wizards game, if you will. So, yeah, all that stuff is very smart. And again, why you wouldn't want to take whatever kind of, I mean, not knowing what they were really getting offered, if anything at all, for, for some of these guys, um, you know, just wait. It, 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 again, you cannot, we'll talk about the development of young players, I'm sure, in this podcast. but. Yeah. You can't throw five young guys out there with the ball and expect good things to happen with their development. You have to have veterans there. Aaron Aflalo is a guy that, whether it's in the locker room or on the court, can bring that stability so you can mix in the young players. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's finish up this roster situation because the Kings have a roster situation, which I, I'm going to write about, but I don't think people are seeing, which is really, really interesting to me. It is that uh, they have too many young players uh, between 
this year and next season, they have too many young players, Aaron. And go ahead. It, it's hilarious. I mean, it's it's kind of just like a, only the Kings, you know, could go from having one style roster, you know, built around DeMarcus Cousins to now too many young players as they're trying to rebuild. So that's right. I, well, I think they're I'll explain. The NBA salary cap structure has limited your ability to I don't know, what is it? Uh you, you never want to go uh like fully rebuild because you have to have some sort of veterans because there's not a lot of young players floating around out there that are just hanging out 23, 24 years old that fit what the Kings are trying to do that you can go pay a bunch of money because their teams usually just match those offers. So here's the deal. The Kings have, uh, well, what do we call it? Uh, we're trying to brand this now. It's it's Willie and the four rookies. <laughs> uh, so it's like, you got Willie Collie Stein and four rookies this year, the four first rounders. Willie and the four first rounders. Um, so, you know, everyone knows who the Papianis, uh, Scal, Malachi, and of course, Buddy Hield. And we'll discuss on, you know, who and what they are later. But that's five players, right? So if you look at those five, and then Bogdanovich comes over, now that's six, and you have. Two for I mean that, and then you have two first rounders, which it does look like the Kings, barring the Pelicans moving up into the top three, it really does look like the Kings are going to be able to retain their first rounder. They slid from I think eleven to eight last night uh, in the standings. As far as down, they went from the eleventh spot in the lottery to the eighth pick, and there's a good chance they're keeping their pick. I'm going to just say it right now: they're keeping their pick because the season is not about wins anymore. They're um, at number eight yeah. right now. And then the Pelicans are number six. And as long as the Pelicans don't move one, two, or three, the Kings get to keep that pick as well. Uh, now, that pick could go up, but if it goes up, it doesn't matter. The Kings will always have that pick as long as it's not one, two, or three this season. Um, so here's the point. If you add Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich and the two rookies to Willie and the four first-rounders, you now have eight players under contract. Then you add Costa Kufis, Garrett Temple, Anthony Tolliver, and Langston Galloway, who has a player option next season for $5.4 million. Now that puts you at 12 players. And when you have five first round, well, five young players, and then you add another three young players, you have to understand that they make no money in the grand scheme of the NBA world. So when the cap is at, it's projected at $102 million, and Willie Cauley-Stein and Buddy Heald make $2.7 million, and you start adding up all of these dollar figures, all of a sudden the Kings are at 12 roster spots, and they're, all, they're only at $45 million. They have to spend. They have to spend within 10% of the $102 million cap, so they've got to spend roughly $93 million. So just to get to the salary floor, not even to, you know, to the, the cap, you got to spend 40 50 million dollars on three roster spots and that's no Ty Lawson, no Darren Collison, no Ben McLemore, no Tyreek Evans buying out Aaron Aflalo. That's this is like, uh-oh, what do we do? And so if the draft doesn't yield a point guard or and a second power forward, what does this team do? Because all of a sudden they have 
a whole lot of cap space to spend. And uh, I mean, we can all point out that, I mean, after this season, you know, again, Lawson Collison, they need a long-term fix at the point guard. They need a long-term fix at the small forward spot. Scal might be the long-term fix at the power forward spot, but we don't know that yet. And you still need more there. So they have giant holes. And how do you fill that? And how do you fill that with, with, Players on the market that are going to look at the Kings and say, "Why would I go to a rebuild?" And I, I don't. It's it's confusing. I mean, are you going to pay Darren Collison eighteen million dollars just because you have so much cap space and you you might as well do it? it it's a that, bizarre situation. That, yeah, that's the big concern is that you've got money burning a hole in your wallet, and you know which free agents are are they going to target? You know, I don't I don't know that the track record's been really great there. Um, so uh, I think. You know, just throw a name out there that I, that I think the Kings would be wise to target would be George Hill. I think Utah probably will do everything in their power to bring him back. He's a bit of a risk. He, he's all sorts of banged up, has had injuries, um, especially this year, but, you know, kind of throughout his recent career. Uh, really, really producing for the for the Jazz and, and getting great experience while he's there playing under Quinn Snyder. That would be one name to look at. But he's not um, young. No, no, but there's no, there's no good answer here. Uh, what I would do is is demur and and go with either with like a Ty Lawson, you know, pay him market value, which is going to be under market for point guards. You you can't just throw money at problems. You you can't buy bad deals, and 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 that's unfortunately, um, you know, the big dodge for the Kings. If if they can dodge that sort of thing and and wait and spend their money when the moment is right. That's going to be the biggest key for them. And the point guard position, unfortunately, you know, just looking at a list of names right now, there's not a lot of great options. George Hill's probably the best name on the list. Um, well, there, I mean, Drew Holiday's a, an available point guard, and uh, so is, um, oh, man, the Pacers point well, guard. Well, my well and so Jeff is T. Steph Curry, but he's not coming Jeff over T. the kicks. Well, that's the yeah, problem, though. Is, like, we're not going to talk about honest-to-goodness free agents here because honest-to-goodness no. free agents have no interest in coming to Sacramento and and going through a rebuild for the next three or four well, years. Jeff, Jeff Teague is a name that should be on that. The Kings should go hard after Holiday Teague, George Hill, um, and and make competitive offers for a guy like Darren Collison and, and uh, Raymond Felton because while they're not ideal options for the future, I, I think with Lawson there's still some life in those legs. I'm a little worried about Collison's legs, to be honest. Um, he hasn't looked all that explosive. His handle's been loose all year. But you said Raymond Felton. Don't tell Kings fans Raymond Felton. I didn't say Raymond Felton. What did Who you said say? Raymond? No, Who said Raymond Felton. You did. When did I say Raymond Felton? Uh, we can back up the tape. You said Raymond when Felton. Did, I didn't say. Did I? If I said Raymond Felton, that means I was looking at his name and trying to say Ty Lawson. <laughs> yeah, don't but, say hey, that. Hey, you know what? Let's talk some Raymond Felton. This is a guy like that has three of them in Dallas. The tower bridge. <laughs> let, 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 let's 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 talk about Raymond Felton in Dallas. He he held his own under a very demanding coach. And Rick Carlisle, and in uh, LA he this year, he it like the buffet line at hometown buffet. Oh, come well, on there now. would be there would be a, a risk that if he did somehow end up in Sac, he's like, that's it, screw it, I'm I'm not staying in shape. I'm going full OJ Mayo. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, here's the thing: you don't want to throw bad money or or make a pick. Look at some point guard picks that haven't worked out. Emmanuel Mudiay, it's not going to work. You know, you were as a Denver organization tied to him for at least two years to see that thing through. And it's pretty much torpedoed that position for them for those two years. Um, Alfred Payton in Orlando, same thing there. If you pick a point guard high, or Chris Dunn, yeah. if you pick him high, 
you are almost con- you're like obligated to see it through for two to three years, whereas at other positions, these guys can kind of just go away. But the point guard position is just so sticky. Uh, if you can get any of those those uh, high end names, go for it. But I would I would look at Raymond or probably <laughs> now you got me. Yeah, now you got me all jacked up. I look at Ty Lawson as the ideal cash play. You know, just he's, he's not going to get a great deal elsewhere. Just sign him for a relatively low amount of money and then spend your money elsewhere. Yeah, and I think Darren Collison is kind of in that same boat. If Collison wants to come back and his market value is three-year 36, and you give him three-year 36, but you give him 18, and then you prorate, you know, 18, 9, and 9, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to 12, 12, and 12, that makes more sense. So you eat up some of your cap space this offseason. I would just like to see Collison be effective over these next 25 games, independent of what's going on around him. It, it, I think he has it in him, but he's not showing it right now. And and that, if you're going to fork over that amount of money to somebody, you, you just want to know that the juice is in the legs. Because okay. right now, it just doesn't look like it. I'll explain what's going on there, but let's finish up with this this crazy roster issue because we didn't even mention the fact that Rudy Gay could opt in and he would eat up some of your cap space. But again... Now you have two roster spots, and you're even in you're even in more trouble. So the Kings can clear up another roster spot by doing something like waving Langston Galloway, and then stretch provision. But the stretch provision kicks in, so his five point four million dollar salary would be stretched over you know three years, and so once again now the Kings have three more million dollars to spend, and so you're like oh man they I mean there's no way to like manage this because they have so much cap space and so little roster spots. So I'm going to throw out one name. You know, when I looked over the list of potential free agents and I thought to myself, who fits the criteria? And that is, I want someone who is under under 24, probably, you know, so they can grow with the team, you know, 24, 25 years old. So they can still, they can even sign another contract after this uh, that fits a position of need. So there are no point guards that are that age who fit a position of need. Um, but so I go to other positions and the one guy that jumps off the page to me and that, I I mean, in all honesty, Aaron, you're going to have to give him way over market value, but I think someone else is going to as well. And that's Otto Porter. And I think that that's a guy who's 23 years old, who's coming into his own, that if the Kings threw 25 mil a year at, which is so scary and people are like, oh my gosh, you can't throw 25 million a year at Otto Porter. Uh, the Nets are probably going to throw $25 million a year Otto Porter. But if the Kings were to do that, he instantly fits the small forward bill. He plays defense. He can pass. He can rebound. Uh, he, he can score. He's gotten better every year. But he's young, and he can grow into his role, and he could be someone that not only do you buy him for four years, but you also get him for a few more years after that. Uh, you could You could lock him up for another contract when he's only 27, 28 years old. And that would be a guy who could bridge this young group and, and grow with this young group and be really good and kind of get the opportunity to be star level for a bad team as they, they try to go through this rebuild. What what are your thoughts on that? So I always get I get a little amped up waiting to hear the name, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who, who, like the drum who's gonna be yeah, yeah, who's gonna be the name? And um it, I'll put it this way. If the Kings don't have a max offer and and they don't fly out, you know, the entire staff. 
you know, whoever they want to recruit him, if they don't do that at the first possible moment, it will have been a, a, a massive mistake because Otto Porter is really just one of the preeminent gets out there. He is everything you want him to be at that position. He's a three and D player, but he's got game offensively. He plays within systems. If anything, he doesn't do enough kind of you want him to do more because he does everything so well. And he, he hasn't quite stepped into that type of a role yet. He's a little Nick um, Batum is what he is. I mean, well, you know what he's he with Batum. There's actually a passiveness in his game that I don't see in Otto Porter's game. Otto Porter just does what you would need him to do. And in that particular offense, it's a lot of cutting and spacing. And it's going to be if the Kings get Otto Porter, you know, there might be some folks that don't you know, appreciate the stats that he produces. But let's I think he's if not at the top of the league in terms of three point percentage, he's, he's really close. Um, he yeah, is I think he's shooting 46 percent. Yeah, he's among the best possible free agents out there in the market next year. Um, so, yeah, that's that's just I I would if you're a, a Kings fan and, and you guys actually pull that off, that would be an amazing get for you guys. Okay, the reason I bring up Otto Porter is not because, I mean, again, I don't think Otto Porter is going to be a superstar. Um, he's averaging 14.1 points, uh, 6.6 rebounds, 1.5 uh, assists, 1.6 steals. Um, he is he's shooting 45.7% from three. The reason I bring Otto Porter up is because Washington cannot match a ma- uh, max offer for him. There's no way they can do it because they become like a massive luxury team at that point. Well, it, what's interesting about Washington is if John Wall wanted to force his way out of there, he could. But they're winning because they've stayed healthy. Bradley Beal has stayed healthy this year. So they've that's actually been a pretty big development across the NBA is, is if they can just not implode at this point. I think John Wall probably wants to stick around. And uh, yeah, that does make Otto Porter expendable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just I'm just throwing that name out there. It's not a name that I've heard from the Kings, and, and I'm not starting a rumor. I'm just saying if I'm the Kings, I, I do exactly what Aaron did, what Aaron said. I bring Garrett Temple along with me on the flight, and I'm standing at Otto Porter's door. Uh, with, with a boombox over your head. With the boombox, <laughs> you know, playing, uh, uh, what is it, Peter Gabriel, right? Um, I don't I don't remember, but... Yes, in your eyes, right, Peter Gabriel? Um yeah, that's what from say anything. That's what we're. we're <laughs> I mean, you. That's who you chase. You chase someone like that who fill, fills a giant position of need. And people are like you just spent twenty five million on Otto Porter. I hate to tell you this, people. You still got another twenty five yeah. million to spend, and only two more roster you know spots. What? It, it's it's <laughs> it's actually a bargain. Like these these high end players that are max players under the CBA, they they don't ever touch what they're really worth. So yeah, you 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 have a lot of wiggle room there. And, and this is a guy that can really transform your, your roster because of the way he defends, the way he shoots. And I'll even say this, he has a little Kawhi Leonard in his game where there's a lot more that he can do, but he's just not He's not needed to do that in that particular offense. So, Well, in a stiff breeze, like you can't have the, the windows at Golden 1 Center open when Otto Porter's on the court. I mean, <laughs> it's possible that he could get blown out into the tunnel and – Swap off the floor by the. He's going to fill out though. He's probably close to filled out already. You're right. He's he's pretty light. I mean, he's Um, he's always going to be sort of Tayshawn Prince build. He plays plenty of four, and and that's I mean he because of his length, because of his ability to 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 leap, he's got 
ability to play some stretch four, um, but three, and he can cover the two as well. So, you know, you start to put together a team that's got, you know, Garrett Temple, uh, Otto Porter, say you throw Scal in there. Now you've got a real athletic, almost like the Milwaukee and Bucks really, before they hit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really, you start to get a compelling defensive proposition where you can't pass over the top because of all those arms and legs. And then things get easier when, when you close down passing lanes you actually then get an advantage. It was kind of like the Kings facing right now on offense. There's nothing to cover. You know, there's no options for any of these guys offensively. And it just gets, it just snowballs. And so if you could do that defensively, you know, you're onto something. Well, I don't know. Kings fans are now going to have Otto Porter shirts printed. I I know. They should. He's coming to town (laughs) soon. He's coming to town soon. So I, I really do believe that having Garrett Temple here is something that would, would aid in, in that discussion, uh, because Garrett Temple, you know, was is a mentor to most of the young Washington Wizard players. He was there for a couple of years. They love him. So, I mean, you do have, like, some sort of end. Now, it's going to be difficult because he's a Georgetown guy. And you know he plays in Washington. I, I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult well, to get him. They also have um, Kelly Oubre there, yeah. so they don't they they have the replacement there, and it's just I. You're you right. You know, broke, get the t- you, yeah, yeah, get the T-shirts printed. Just start. You know, throw him a big welcome party when he shows up. It, it, just get ahead of this, guys. Yeah, and, and I mean, what it does is it gives you a player to build around while you develop, and you. The biggest issue that the Kings have, right, is that they don't have a star. And it's such a, an interesting... So we're going to transition out of the auto, auto Porter talk, but the the Kings don't have a star. And you hope that Buddy can be good. It can be, I, I, you know, I think he's a 14 to 16 point scorer in the NBA for his entire career. I think he can handle that. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, and I don't think he's going to be a star, uh, but he's going to be a solid NBA player. And I think Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be a solid NBA player. And Malachi Richardson has every bit of potential to be a really solid NBA player. you got to find a star. And in this draft, that might come with uh, with one of these incredible guards that are in this draft. If somehow the Kings can land one of these guys, that's huge. You just got to hope that you hit, really, you hit not only... You can't hit the lottery because if you hit the lottery, you're going to lose your pick. <laughs> but uh, that that you hit a home run with the draft pick that you make. <laughs> and that's something that the Kings have struggled with. But again, if I'm the Kings and somehow I end up, say, with the fifth and the sixth pick or the sixth and the seventh pick in this draft, man, you're on to something. Because this is a great draft. It's not a five-man deep draft. It's more like an eight-to-nine-man draft, but of really, really good players that many of which have all-star and star potential. And so you got to hit a home run in this draft. And then in 2018, you're going to be bad. You're going to be bad next year. You got to hit a home run with your draft pick next year, which is it's completely unprotected and it's your pick. And so... I think the Kings have an opportunity here to build, 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 add some really, really good over-market purchases. And then, again, if you walk into next season and your major upgrade is Otto Porter and you bring back Darren Collison at 12 to $14 million a year, and then you spend wisely and get, you know, uh, overpay for an Ilasova for two years at the power forward spot to go with what you already have, I don't think, I mean, you're not going to be good. But 
you will have the potential to grow with this team. And, and that's what I think, you know, something like that is where the Kings could go. They could even go younger and they could do what we talked about with Brandon Knight and they could try to trade Aaron Aflalo for Brandon Knight and take on his contract. He's only 25 years old and let him be your point guard while you're developing one of these young players that you took in the draft. And then there'll be that transition moment where one of them will step forward and one of them will step back. But I think the Kings, I mean, they're, it's not all doom and gloom. They, they gave up this season. There's no question. They gave up next season. There's no question. They're not going to be a great team next season unless they somehow catch lightning in a bottle. But at some point, you had to start over, right, Aaron? I I mean, my thoughts are you, with DeMarcus Cousins, you have to take a, an immediate like emergency-level approach with him that probably wasn't possible in Sacramento. I'd like to think that Dave Yeager and Vlade Divac could have done that. Um, basically telling him, hey, you can't be a shooting guard in this league. You got to run back, all that stuff that we've talked about ad nausea. Um, you're seeing in New Orleans, they're going to miss their window to do that. I think that's a fascinating development that, you know, you, you cannot play that guy the way that he wants to play the game of basketball. It's not going to work. So you could see the Pelicans continue to lose. It would not be shocking to me one bit. Um, I don't maybe- think that's, that's going to be a top 10 pick. There's no question in my mind. I mean, I, I I don't see any indication that they're going to put him on the block. If they don't put him on the block, it's over. Like you could just write it in stone right now. It's over. And and that could even be a bigger boon for the Kings. Um, so that's an interesting development. I thought that they would say, OK, hey, you just got to go down there. Um, the free agent list is, is interesting. I would be interested in to see if we could see a, a Zach Randolph in, in Sacramento um, now that his deal's up, you know, oh. Repairing him with Dave Yeager, uh, Serge Ibaka is an unrestricted free agent. Though I think he'll probably stay in Toronto. There's but no yeah, way that Serge Ibaka is 27 years old. <laughs> Not with the way those knees look. No. Not the way uh, that he. Uh, there's. Hmm. But it's you know it's slim pickings as far as the free agent market goes. It's it's a uh, the, the Kings they threw their their money into the middle and. You know, I think you can, like we said in the last cast, you could weigh it out three years from now, four years from now and see, you know, if it really made sense. And then does DeMarcus Cousins change? You know, a lot is going to happen a year or two years from now as we look back at that pivotal point in Sacramento Kings history. Um, but that's it. You know, it is exactly what it is. It's history. And now you got to look forward to, to what what are the Kings going to do with the last you know, 20 some odd games of their season and how are they going to roll those guys out there? That's and, and I don't really have a strong opinion about how it's how it's happened in these last three games. But, um, you know, you, I think the, the most interesting thing is the development of Scala BCA as well as Willie Cauley Stein. Can he get into more of a consistent night to night flow? Yeah. So I spoke to Dave Yeager at practice on Thursday. And he had some really enlightening things to say about the issues that they're having right now. And he's like, look, he's like, people who have never, ever been scouted by the opposition, now there's like a dossier on them. They come in and they're game planning on how to stop Willie Cauley-Stein. He's like, they're game planning on how to stop Anthony Tolliver. He's like, you look at Anthony Tolliver this season, you know how many wide open corner threes he's had? Because you had to go double-team DeMarcus every time, triple-team DeMarcus, set your entire defense around DeMarcus. He's like, so when people are like, man, you guys look horrible. You know, wow, you're over-dribbling. He's like, there's no lanes. There's the team. Yeah, there's has, nothing there. Yeah, we, we have to adjust. But 
how do you adjust when you you have you know you tear out it's not just 28 points 11 rebounds and and five assists it was 37.5 percent usage rate he just sucked every bit of touches he dominated not i mean he was the center of their universe and that was by design and you take that out and all of a sudden there's like a chasm that people are just it's it's sucking them down the drain they don't know how to fill the void and so now we're they've got a little bit of practice time you got a bunch of young guys who are, who want to go out and score now they have to work together to free each other they have to move they have to fly around the court and they have to know that what you're comfortable doing Anthony Tolliver shooting corner threes a lot of times it's gone you're gonna have to take somebody off the dribble and create for someone else because that is a situation you're in you don't have a star you don't even have a uh you know a guy who's averaging 18 points a game I mean your best your second score is Darren Collison you guys are all going to see the uh, how much impact Garrett Temple has in his return, how important he is to this yes. squad. Because when he gets back, that that's going to make a noticeable difference for them. But well, his leadership alone is huge. Well, his ability to drive the ball is actually the Kings need three three playmakers on the floor at all times right now, simply because the three playmakers are not get your own shot at any time you want type of guys. So they have to have three of them at, at a minimum, in my opinion, on the floor just to make sure that the defense isn't able to really dig in because that's what's happening right now. They only have really pick for the first game. They have you know, first two games. They only had pick and roll in the arsenal and they're going to work on, you and know, other stuff. That away. Yeah. Yeah. They just basically, they said, okay, Willie's going to run to the rim. Okay. We'll just double that. And we don't think you can even skip it over the top to make us pay. And if you did, you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. And that's yeah. that that's just dangerous because then when you can start to really be aggressive defensively, everything else shuts down. So, yeah, it hasn't looked good for them. Um, the practice time is going to be huge. They got a man. It was Doug who said it, I think, on, on Grant shows. They got to manufacture points now. And yep. that's that's tough. You there know? is no easy baskets. That's the problem. Yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, Dave Yeager's system is to slow it down anyways. And that's not what you have. Your team is now a bunch of, you know, track stars. You you have an entire roster of young, lengthy, you know, dudes who can get up and down the court and can really make a bunch of, uh, they can make a bunch of noise as, you know, sort of a wild up and down, no holds bar, you know, high pace team. I don't think they can win a lot of other ways. And to be honest with you, Winning doesn't mean anything at this point. I mean, people are all upset because they lost to the Nets. You know what? Even though the Nets aren't good, they were horrible. They lost 16 in a row and 27 out of 28. Most of those players have at least been together throughout most of the season. They know how bad they are, and they know how to work within that system. And Jeremy Lin does make that team better. He's been out for a ton of time. They actually played the Warriors tough in the game before, so it wasn't surprising that they came in with a little bit of momentum. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing, one wrinkle that I think before we have to go, I, I think that they could do, you know, there's been talk about, well, are they not, are they playing Scal enough or not? And Scal to me reminds me of that young player who is already better than everybody, you know, that he's competing with for playing time. And that might be one way that, that you can, can make things a little easier on the court, you know, for guys, cause he just brings a positional advantage to the table where you don't have a lot of positional advantages. He's going to be more athletic than the player that he's playing against. 
I've seen good defensive instincts from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has not played poorly. He's played better than his teammates at that position, you know, defensively. So I think it's all positives to put him. There's no reason not to have him out there if he's going to outplay his teammates. I agree, but um, there's a reason. There's a reason. Again, Jaeger said this. He said, look, the reason why I started Scal is because he was up against what Hollis Jefferson. Uh, he's like, he's like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, you know, he's not experienced. So I can put Scal out there as a starter and, and to put Scal against Trevor Booker, it might seem like, oh man, he's so much better than Trevor Booker. But the the fact is Booker's been in the league for a long time. He knows crafty. He knows how to hustle. He knows how to do things that Scal doesn't know how to do yet. He's like, so Tolliver is a better matchup against Booker and Lubissier is a better matchup against uh, against Hollis uh, Jefferson. I, I get the matchup thing, but I'll, so I'll, that's I'll, what I'll, we're gonna see. Though we're gonna see he's trying to put them in positions to succeed against players who are second tier, so they don't go out against what you don't want is Scal to go out against Zach Randolph and get taken off the dribble in, in a back down situation, fourteen possessions in a row, and the kid comes out of it wanting to cry that he just let his team down. He's trying to put them in positions where they can actually succeed. And I, I think that that's noble of him. I also think there's going to come a point where with 10 games left, you know, you give Scal full reign. You start Willie and Scal next to each other and say, what do we got? What do we got? We, you start Buddy at the shooting guard spot. But until, you know, you get comfortable with what Buddy can do and what you what Scal can do against just the second tier guys, now let's bump up and let you play against first tier guys and we'll give you a taste there too. But for right now, you know, Ben McLemore's worked his butt off all season. I'm not just going to throw him away and say, you know, we got Buddy Hill, you know, get on out of here. Buddy needs to earn his minutes and he needs to show that, you know, all the things that he sh- he's starting to show. But you have to incrementally do it and you-, you want him to do it against lesser talent and then build him up and then have him go against better talent. And hopefully he'll build up from there and they'll grow that way. I, I'm, I don't have a strong opinion on this one way or another because I don't know that the margins are all that different. But I will say this. You do have a limited amount of time this season, you know, 20 plus games. And with those two particular players, Buddy Heald, he's a guy that if you're going to get full value out of him, he has to handle the ball a lot. So you're going to have to find out. Can he handle the pacing and a tempo of a, of a basketball game? You're seeing it in Dallas is going to make Kings fans cringe with Seth Curry. He's now in control of the pacing of their game, and he is putting together stuff that looks pretty much like Steph. You know, not not putting him in the same class, but a lot of the same. You said aspects. It. he's as good as Steph. As Steph. I, I, you, you know what? It. You you could quote me on it. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, the but that because he has the ball in his hands, and now he's being able to to yo yo the defense, so to speak. And now with with Buddy, you're making a big bet on him bringing him in, making him the centerpiece of the Demarcus Cousins trade. I think that you want to be faster with putting him into that that position. Can you handle it? And and you got to handle it against the good, and you got to handle it against the bad. I get easing him in, um, and then on the scal front, you know, I understand all that stuff. But I will say this: it sucks to lose, and and players they get a little bit irked when they know the young guys better, and they they're essentially losing, you know, and and. They could play a little bit better if they had that one additional advantage. So um, not to make this about the players, but, 
you know, just from a team perspective, if you can have better performances on the court, that also becomes a, a better learning experience for the other guys because they're experiencing success and everything that comes with it. So uh, I don't think it would be strategically incorrect to bump his minutes up to 30 per game, let him get beat up by guys like Zach Randolph so he can learn how to handle all that stuff and then come into next season with a full slate of um, experience you know, from this last third of the season. But again, not a huge opinion either way. Do it Dave's yet. You could do it Dave's way and, and it'll probably work just as well. So, yeah, well, and I think, you know, the one good thing is that Dave Yeager, uh, he's going to be here and he's not going anywhere. He's going to be the guy who brings his team through the rebuild. At least that's what it appears like at this point. Um, you never say never with this organization. Um, but he's got a tall, tall task, and that is to groom players, to build them up, to make sure that they are learning the game of basketball the right way. And I actually think he's a really good teacher, and so that's a, a good thing. I think his staff is filled with guys. I think they could use more. I think they could use more development guys because they have so many people, so many young players at this point, and you know, you want to get these guys up to speed as fast as possible, but you want to support them. I think that's the biggest thing. And you want to make sure they're all right, you know, both on the court and off the court. Um, the locker room, uh, you know, people, you know, it was all about character, character, character. I'll tell you this, this whole entire group is high character dudes. Um, and whether that wins basketball games or not, I don't know down the road, but this group is, they're still hopeful. They still, I mean, they haven't given up on the playoffs or anything. They don't want anyone saying that. Um, it, their their task is like so incredibly difficult in front of them and they know that. Uh, and I think maybe losing to the Nets, you, you know, showed them that. But when you have, again, you have Buddy Heald who took OU deep. Uh, you have uh, Willie and Scowl who went to Kentucky. Um, you know, you look around this team there aren't a lot of young players on this team that lost games in college. And they're starting to like look at this and go, oh my gosh, we're losing. And they're not used to that. And that's something you don't want them getting used to. So, But you just have to know that th- there is no quick fix. There is no, all of a sudden this team is, you know, is spectacular. And, you know, I, I kind of, I'm bummed out that Malachi isn't around. Uh, he-, he probably will be out another three, three plus weeks. Um, to really get the flow of this, but he will be back by the end of the season and you'll get to see him mixed into this group as well. So, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what some of these young guys can do. You know, Collison and Lawson are, of course, going to run the point, but, you know, if you have Buddy Heald and and uh, Malachi at the three and Scal at the four and Willie at the five for a stretch, I, that's interesting. I, I at least want to see what they can do. Yeah, you know, the Thin Towers will be fun. Um, but again, the Garrett thin Temple. Thin Towers, is that what we're yeah, the, calling th- That's their name, the Thin Towers. The Thin and, Towers. I haven't and, heard that one. Was Is that a... Is that, that a I, I created that, by the way. I want to take my internet points and, and go cash them in somewhere. The Thin Towers. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. No. Uh, Willie yeah, and the four first rounders, the Thin Towers. Uh, yeah, that, we, that, we got Willie some things the, to build with here. Yeah, it's good. Um, uh, but, you know, one last thing, my final thoughts here. All right, uh, final Scal, thoughts. There's something there, and the the ability – some of the plays that he's making are veteran plays, and that's really interesting. That wasn't in the playbook or that wasn't in the, the dossier, so to speak, coming in to the league. Subtle stuff, knowing when to 
hesitate with an up fake and then step into a shot. Um, the ability to make shots, he's he's got incredible touch, and it 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 appears like he is a multi-tool player that is a four in this league. Might be a Chris Bosh. You know, I think you said this earlier in the year, a Chris Bosh like player. I think Pagea um, told me that. Pagea is the one that compared him to Chris Bosh. That's what he looks like to me right now, and so. I it's I cannot believe he fell as low as he did. I didn't have him going that low. Um, but that gives you reason for hope because he also has a great attitude. He's a hard worker. And I think that he's going to get along with just about everybody that, that he comes across. So that could be your four of the future and, and somebody that you can actually be really, really excited about. Yeah, I think so. I think there are exciting pieces uh, at every position, except for probably the point guard spot, which it's not, you know, tired Aaron's fault. I mean, you just, you don't have a point point guard of the future there. So again, uh, I think Buddy is a nice piece. I think Bogdanovich can be a nice piece. I think that that Malachi can be a a 15 to 18 point a game score in the NBA. I think that that Scal, like the the potential is, is unlimited. And I think Willie actually can be a tremendous player, uh, not a star level player, but a guy who can do a lot of things. He just, you know, again, this is going to take time, people. Teams adjust so quickly in the NBA. They adjusted to that that Kings team that wiped out the Denver Nuggets the first game out of the break. And and then boom, they lost three in a row. To I, I didn't want to break it to Kings fans at the time because they were so happy. It's oh, yeah. like, yeah, this is the all. Denver can't defend anybody, but the teams coming off the All Star break are not. You don't measure those teams. No, but um, it was a, it was a good deep breath for Kings fans and a little bit of okay, we can be all right without Demarcus. And you know, once you feel that way once, ooh. I think that that feeling. I you know, I did you know, for those Kings fans out there that are super passionate, just know like, look, we have no stake in this. Like, we have no decision-making power. We have no stake in this. I know exactly what uh, Dave Yeager will answer and won't answer in the post-game press conference. Like, look, I have nothing to do what's happening here, and I try to hold them accountable with the podcast, the writing, with TV work, but they know. They just hit the, the reset button, and this is the way that this season's going to play out, and it's probably the way next season's going to play out, but they're building towards something, and... You can say, hey, I don't trust them to do to, to this rebuild. That's fine. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who are making the decisions and you're going to have to you're going to have to live with it. The uh, my, my super last final thoughts are um, who have thought that Willie Cauley Stein would be an offensive player in the, in the <laughs> NBA? I mean, if you watched him now, you'd be like, OK, is he going to rebound? Is he going to play defense? <laughs> like these are my concerns with him, not the offense. He's A got month great ago. touch. A month ago, you had no idea if he could be anything, and all of a sudden, it's like, huh, all right, I'm intrigued. It, it is the thin towers, man. The thin towers. <laughs> if if they can make that a thing, that would be really fun NBA basketball. Just get a big guy on the bench, you know, 20 minutes in case you come up against a bruiser like Demarcus Cousins. That's right. Well, that's why you got Costa Kufis and there maybe you go. and maybe Yorgos Papionis down the street. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Max Muscle. We will hopefully be back with uh, with an, a player interview later this week. Um, and I know this is going to be a special one next week. I think we're going to have a car cast uh, with Mr. Jerry Reynolds next week because me and Jerry are making the, uh, the pilgrimage to CSN headquarters in SF 
to do a couple of games next week, and so uh, probably going to get a little car cast action. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon.